I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the 2019 Vancouver International Wine Festival. The festival would love for you to come visit one of the world's most beautiful cities and have a great time at one of the world's best wine festivals, Paul. A, gr- a great festival, Rick. Uh, largest in North America. From t- February 23rd to March 3rd, dinners, walk-around tastings, lunches, brunches, seminars. It's- wait, 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 let me stop you on that seminars. Folks, in case you don't know, Paul might be leading one of those just I, as a warning. I will be leading one of those, and if Rick doesn't behave himself, I'll have him thrown out of the back of the room. Well, yeah, usually I just sit there and make fun of him. Uh, you can do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, but, you know, it's pretty easy to avoid us, don't you think, Paul? Uh, but, man, you should see people avoiding Rick. I mean, it's yeah. like it's it's like the parting of the ocean I as know. he walks into the room. It makes it really easy to get the front of that tasting. <laughs> <laughs> so here are just a few reasons to go, by the way. So let's recap. I Outstanding wine from 16 countries, winemakers and principals from all 160 wineries, all those tastings, dinners in some of Vancouver's best restaurants, either either organized or on your own. And and Vancouver is a fabulous food city. Yeah. Um, we had wonderful, wonderful dinners every single night, even... Well, I even remember, Rick, you and I had dinner together, and that food even tasted good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I, I, the people around us didn't seem to. Well, I, they I, kept looking away from you. Yeah, that's well, the problem. That's the thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, well, the festival makes it really, really easy for you to not just avoid us, but to eat, drink, and get tickets and book hotels. In fact, the best way to book the, is to stay through Stay Vancouver Hotels. Pretty easy. Stay Vancouver Hotels. Yep. They uh, they offer 35 options to book a downtown hotel. And if you do, you get a free ticket worth about $100 for the, um, the those big international festivals, that tastings, excuse me, that go throughout the festival. There's four of them, and they, they're right. half a day or February all. February 28th through March 2nd, every one of these is a huge tasting, stunning event. And book by it's February 14th, and you get a ticket to one of those. Yep, yep, yep. And if you're lucky, you get to the ticket to the one that Rick isn't attending. Yeah, well, that'll be hard because I'm going to stand right there the whole time. Just Are you? Yep, yep. Well, yep. then your only choice is to go for the hotels and hope that out of 35 hotels, you're at the hotel that Rick decided wasn't going to, he wasn't going to stay there. Or actually, more no, likely. They they tossed me, Paul. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I knew where you were going. Yep. Oh, All yeah. right. So besides the 160 wineries pouring, there's also like some special stations, things from all over. They include places doing a special stations from New Zealand, South Africa, Spain, Washington State, uh, Canadian regions like Nova Scotia and yep. British Columbia's own Okanagan Valley. Okanagan Valley makes which, some lovely wines up there. Which yep. you seriously need to go up there and taste those wines because they really are good and they're really, really, really Well, And this yeah. year's focus is California. So, so Paul, you got a ton of California wineries up there. Why Beautiful. Go, why go to Vancouver to taste California wines, Paul? Number one, because it's Vancouver. Well, yeah, that's true. And the really, really lovely city and nice people and great food. And with any luck, you don't run into Rick. Yeah, yeah. and the truth is actually uh, just because they're so nice when they pour, you just have a better time. You do. Yep. Uh, so come discover this. I'm telling you, come, meet, come hang out with us and discover all that outstanding wine and food in one of the world's great cities. Listen to Paul, or really better yet, hang out with me, make fun of Paul. Um, That's the Vancouver International Wine Festival, February 23rd to March 3rd. Details on schedules and programs and lots of other good stuff are at vanwinefest.ca. That's Canada, vanwinefest.ca. Or just Google the Vancouver International Wine Festival. You'll find it. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, today we're going to try something new. Are we going to try to be helpful, Rick? 
Yes, exactly. That's it. Okay. See, you're on a roll. <laughs> Correct answers already. Look how, look how we can do this. We should stop while we're ahead. Uh, I know. Thank you for listening, folks. Yeah. Well, we got a question from a loyal listener, Dave, in Venice, Florida, who hosts Home Wine Tastings with Friends, and he asked for some advice. Oh, good luck with this one, Dave. I know. <laughs> so we're going to give some Dave, recommendations Dave. of home wine tastings today. Plus, we have a couple of questions about wine in the refrigerator, including if you can cook with wine that's been in there a while. And whether it hurts to keep taking a wine in or out. This is actually okay. a good question. Yeah. Another listener asked why wine bottles aren't different sh- cool shapes like spirit bottles. A very good question. Right? Our horrible wine writing is particularly chewy with a new world finish. <laughs> <laughs> and as usual, we'll be making fun of wine stops. We already are. By the way, we are still on Capital Public Radio. Here we are. Now we're three weeks into a new year and they next, still haven't tossed us. Right next to... Uh, Mr. Thiele and and Ms. Gross, yeah. Rick and Paul. Yeah, you know I understand Terry Gross loves our show. Yep. All right. <laughs> we are. A lot of people say that. <laughs> yeah, if I may quote somebody else, right. <laughs> we are also on Napa Broadcasting, a network comes out of Napa Valley College. Right, institution of higher learning, number one college in the state of California, community college. And yet there, they, there they go. Let they let you teach there, and they, they let us on there. They let us. So, all right. right, and don't forget, look for us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. That's Rick and Paul Wine. At Rick and Bowen, I should say. Um, and go there. Ask us a question. Really easy way to do that. And yep. I'm going to say it one more time. Join us at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Runs February 23rd to March 3rd and uh, will be there for pretty much all of it. And uh, it's Van a time. Wine Fest. And you can ask us questions in person right there. Yes. If, and if you want to, I'll pull out my little trusty tape recorder and we'll put you on the air. There you go. All right. So for our friend Dave in Venice, Florida, he has a group of four couples who call themselves, which I think is pretty cute, the Venice Wine Club. Okay. And they taste together for fun and wine and just to learn about wine. They really just they, – they like wine. They want, they, want to, they want to learn about each little wine. And, yeah. And um, yeah, they take turns hosting. This is a good way to, go, to think about it. They take turns hosting. Each couple brings some wine. Mm-hmm. Um, they send information ahead so the couple that is hosting that will make some, um, some small bites that go with the wines. Cool. Everyone brings a detailed handout on their wine, talks about the wine and the varietal. Okay, so sounds like it's pretty serious. I mean, you got to bring yeah. a handout and things. Yeah, well, you could I probably mean, Rick, write it down and make you, a copy. You, Rick, you you show up where there are handouts, right. but I don't think that's what they're talking about. No, I about want to here. show up with my handout. Yeah, <laughs> that's generally my approach. Yeah, so there. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Davis, by the way, he's invited us to do a podcast from one of their tastings. Um, we're cool. Gonna, we'll have our executive travel team and our scheduling secretaries uh, reach, reach out ro- to Dave. Do we have roadies? Yes. Yes. That, okay. We'll have them bring the bags and we'll, we'll, we'll take the private jet. <laughs> all, right. all right. So this was Dave's question, and it's going to lead to a little bit more. But he says, when we do the tastings, we always go light to bold or heavy. Is that a good thing? Well, sure. Of course. Yes. Exactly way to do it. Well, pretty much. Is yeah, because the big stuff's going to over outweigh the little stuff. Right, and so the answer is yes. But and and if he's got four couples and they're doing four wines, probably not an issue. One of the things I'd point out is that when we organized the Bordeaux tastings for years and years, and we Balzac, my company, still does that. A lot of times, you'll see people taste four or five or six or seven red wines and then say, "I need a break." And they will go taste a white wine. And the white wine really serves as a palate refresher. And it really actually tastes excellent after those red wines. And and I'm going to – I hate to – I hear myself doing this, but I'm going to compliment Paul. Uh, which was at a (laughs) seminar he ran last year. Devin, are you getting this on tape? I want this on tape. (laughs) 
And seminary ran last year out of the Vancouver Wine Inf- International Wine Festival, it's as true. it turns out, which was a really a clever idea, which was it was the Iberian Peninsula and nine wines. And so Paul took you through the history of the Iberian Peninsula and the wines that really uh, came out of those regions. And if I remember, the first or second wine was a sherry. Right. And so, you know, you jumped around uh, yeah. in, in terms of style. The wines jumped around a lot. Right. But in terms of history, they all kind of told a story. Right. So, so it's not necessary, but if you've got four wines, that, you know, and yeah. the other thing is, in generally, if you're if tasting the same wine, you know, the same uh, uh, different vintages of the same winery or the same wine, generally go old to young old because to young. the old is going to be a little lighter. Yep. Um, so, yep. uh, so you guys are going at it right, you know, but it's it's not. This isn't a catechism. It's just a thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. But I think this brings up some other stuff, and we we have a slightly different thoughts on how to do some wine tastings. Um, so this is our suggestions um, if you're going to do a, a tasting, your own tasting at home. And, and I suspect that uh, Dave's group follows some of these really important so, points. So so can we put together a show that says ten things you should never do if you host a wine tasting? Uh, no, and we're not going to do any nevers. Okay, good. Yes, well, actually, except for one of these things. Yes, which is never invite a wine snob. Yes, well, actually, it's two of these things. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the other one is also pretty important, but the first one is never invite a wine snob. Never invite a wine snob yeah, to the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they ruin everything. They do, they do. Um, and, yep. and, 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 and right, because, yeah. And then, you know. Yeah, they just, just ruin everything. Just know. Yeah. Just and, know. And the other one is uh, don't vote. Don't vote. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, you know, this it's it's... This is not a recommendation about national politics. No, you should go vote for that sort of kind of thing. Right. But not, not for wine. Right. Because right. what happens when you ask everybody to vote is that then somehow people assume that the wine that got the most votes is the winner and it must be the best. And in fact, the person who didn't vote it feels like, oh, I voted for the wrong wine. Whereas I'm going to say, no, you voted for the right wine. Right. You voted for the wine you like. You should be happy. Drink that wine. Pay no attention to those idiots. Right. Everybody has different palates. Well, Absolutely. And, and, and what happens is, is you know, you become vested in either the wine that you voted for or, or the one you brought. The one you brought, right? Yeah. Whether or not you might not have even liked it, right? But you wanted other people to like it, and yep. you f- and you feel good if you voted for the quote unquote winner, you know. And it's wine isn't that way, right? So just don't do that. Yeah, you can talk about, but don't don't do that. Yep. So so yep. here's a couple of ways to go at this. Okay. So one of them is, and 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 I I like this uh, is to you know it's basically don't be random. And it does it sounds like Dave's group is not random. They think this through, right? Right. But it's not just with this wine from here, or that wine from there. Um, the idea, one of the great things to do when you do a home tasting or any tasting is to be able to compare and contrast so right. you can decide which ones you like and which ones you don't like, right. and both of those are important. So that's that's an interesting idea, Rick, but one of the ways I love to do a wine tasting is to ask, for example, in Dave's group, everybody bring something you've never tried before. Another entirely different approach. Comp- so, just completely out of the blue, and so they could be four wildly different wines that nobody's ever tried. That's great. Because sometimes when you taste everything in a group, eh, a little bit more this way, a little bit more that way, you start thinking those are really important. It's really fun to sit and taste four completely different wines and say, "Wow, I never had Madeira before. Right. I love it." All right, so so we're we're gonna, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay these out to in completely different ways because both of them work, right? So one yeah. of them is if you want to taste, if you want to decide whether you like. Well, you know, like Chardonnay. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You, you know, some right. people hate it. Some people say they hate it. Get three <laughs> or four different kinds. I mean, there's like an Italian Chardonnay that's lovely and light and completely Australian. different. Yeah. You know, and a big, rich one and something yep. in between. And, yep. and, and 
and t- and if you dislike them all, you've learned something. If right. you like them all, you've learned something. If, if you, you like, like one some of them, and not others, right. you've learned something. Right. So that's a great. So way no to matter it. what you do, as long as you're drinking wine, you're going to learn something. Right. The other way is the is <laughs> is the the very disparate approach, which is what Paul was talking about. But but try to be sure that they are really different wines. Right. So you have these real different contrasts, and it can lead you in the same kind of direction, which is I really like this thing about it. And that's the mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the other thing that is when you talk about the wines, don't don't be picking out flavors. I mean that doesn't you know that's 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 <laughs> you our mean horrible polished wine. barley yes, and and yes. Chantere melon. Yes, that's our sure. that's our horrible <laughs> wine rating. Yeah, the, deciding what kind of cherry it is that you tasted. You know, pe- people because talk about wine the way you normally talk about. But the first question you should ask yourself is, do you like it? Do you like it? And the next question is probably why, don't you think? Right. Yeah. Right. And and you do something, and once again, here this is twice in the same show. I'm complimenting Paul. I'm going to go aye. home and hit my head against the wall. But you, you do, probably already did that. That's what's do, that going on here. <laughs> <it's> probably <laughs> you do something with your class that uh, that you do in at Napa Valley College. That is, will you have them describe the wine in a way they would recognize it again? Right. So that's not about right. anything other than what works for them. What works for them. And right. they don't have to explain it to anybody else. Right. Yep. Right. And so yep. now you've got some information. You know, if it's if you're doing this parallel tasting, you you know you like the style, you don't. If you're doing these w- widely disparate ones, you like this thing, you didn't like that one. Right. And and this is why because it was whatever, whatever worked for you. Yep. You know, is and then that's when you talk about it. But remember, it's not a competition when no. you talk about it. Well, in fact, I'm going to suggest that to me Doing a wine tasting is a little bit like walking along a trail in the mountains, and different people are and, looking. And Sasquatch comes out. No, Sasquatch does not come out. But occasionally, but that'd be a great wine tasting. Sasquatch. <laughs> just say it. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Devin. Can you just cut his mic now? <laughs> You're looking, and one person is looking down at their feet, noticing the the interesting fungus or the flowers, and another person's looking at the peak up there. Right, right. And it's fun to stop every once in a while and say, what are you looking at? Well, right. I was right. looking at this. Well, I was looking at this. That's the fun of tasting wine. Not and for the one, fun, and not, the fun of talking about it, too. Right. Yeah, and not for one person to say, well, I like this one because it tastes better than that one, and you're wrong. Right, right. And that's where, you know, one of the great things about wine is, and there are, aren't many other things that are like this in the culinary world, which is that wine really is interesting. And whether it's the Unlike story. Unlike Rick and Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have much of a finish either. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we better have a better finish on this show. This is, yeah, that's, that's true. But it is. So, so that's the p- fun part of this wine tastings when you have home wine tastings. And I've been to groups where they've laid the wines out and everybody voted and that was it, right? Right. But, but really stop and in a, in a supportive way talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah. wines. Um, yeah, that's yeah. great. And and don't worry yeah. if you disagree. It's like it's like talking about favorite colors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. It's exactly like talking about favorite colors. And by the way, mine mine used to be blue, but it's now red. Is it? Yeah, my, my wife made me change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a long story. Good right. to know. Good <laughs> right. to know. All right. Well, anyway, uh, uh, right now I think you're probably all everybody's turning blue in the face. Uh, so we're gonna move along and answer a couple of questions. Cool. Uh, Dave, I hope that was some help to you. I think so. He, either that, he may just withdraw his invitation. his invitation. Yeah. Well, that, when he said he wanted to invite us to a blind tasting, I thought that meant he wanted to put bags over our heads. <laughs> so he wouldn't have been the first. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We are going to take some questions. If you'd like to ask us, you can go to our website at rickandpaulwine.com. You can go to our 
or social at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Rick and Paul Wine, and look for us on iTunes. Uh, so our first one is from Byron in Turlock. Cool. So he says, <laughs> this is actually a very good question. It's a funny one. I found a wine we really liked. that We had been in the back refrigerator for a few days. There was enough left to cook with, and it wasn't horrible. It's the, yeah. Is it okay to cook with something like that? And are there other guidelines for cooking with wine? Um, first of all, ab- look, if you taste the wine, it tastes good to you, and you want to cook with it, you should cook with it. There's no problem there. However, if you don't want to drink it, I wouldn't cook with it. Right. That's sort of the that's sort of the old rule is if it's not good enough to drink, don't think it's good enough. Now, I will say that my wife frequently uses older oxidized wines as part of a sauce and she wouldn't necessarily be drinking that wine, but it does add nice character to the sauce. I'm raising my hand because I agree. You know, I use I can't see that. I I know. But I was just just, you know, just moral support for you. Paul. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I agree. In fact, I I I have a do it with a sherry, uh, that same thing, and get that oxidation into a, into a red sauce, and it right. really has a nice note. Yeah. Um, so if you like it, but but the thing is, you know, you if you're just cooking to get the alcohol out of it, don't do that. You know, it's if a wine that you didn't, it tasted kind of sour, and that's a lot often what happens to a wine that's been sitting in the fridge for a while, especially red. It's going to get sour. The acid is going to come out, um, and that's that's what's going to do to your dish. So don't mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. do that. But if it yeah. doesn't taste bad, there's no reason. Yeah, go for and, it. You know, the other part of the cook with wine is they. I mean, the, the rule had rule. The guideline was always that, you know wouldn't drink a wine that uh, don't cook don't with wine. Don't cook with wine. You wouldn't the other is it. is if. You know, you're, if you cook with a wine that you're going to be drinking, that that's a nice thing, too, because now you have right. some complementary flavors. Right. And Rick finds that cooking with wine greatly improves the, the right. flavor the, of the food. After I have that first bottle, I'm a much better cook. That's right. Yeah. Glass for him, glass for the <laughs> yeah. pot. Absolutely. The, the, the one thing I would say is don't cook with too good a wine. Right. Because No point to it. Yeah, right. No, if you told the if if you would be embarrassed to tell the winemaker I took your seventy five dollar bottle of Cabernet <laughs> and turned it into spaghetti sauce, that's a good indication you probably shouldn't be cooking with that, that wine. That's right. Well, you are wasting your money. There, it comes to a point at which there's not going to make much difference. All that's the, right. The subtlety and nuances. I, I would, <laughs> what you're not going to get. You're not going to get that yep. with a bunch of spaghettis and some onions. All right. Uh, our next one is from Megan in Reno. Cool. Uh, and she says, we had a white in the fridge for a while, then took it out like this, and then put it back a week later, then took it out, and we didn't use it. Now it's back in there again. We started wondering, does it hurt the wine if we re- re-chill it like well, that? Well, actually, Megan, this is a really interesting question, and there are two things that happen in a fridge that are not good for wine. One of them is the vibration of the fridge um, rocks the wine around and can help break the seal between the cork and the bottle. And the other thing that happens as wine cools and heats, it expands and contracts, which can also affect the seal on between the cork and the bottle. Which lets air in. Which lets air in, which can then spoil the wine. So the good news, Megan, you should pull this bottle out and drink it immediately. Yep. Yeah, you probably haven't killed it, but it's probably yeah, haven't killed it. But, but you yeah. may have introduced this the first symptoms of its demise. So pull it out and drink it as quickly as you can. We'll be there in about forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, the the I mean, it's just, it's it's if you left it in there for a longer time, it's probably worse because it's now it's vibrating, vibrating, vibrating. But but you know, but if you take a bottle for most people, what would happen? Some version of Megan's story is it's been in there for, and then you know we're not going to drink it. Take it out. They put it in for a party. Yeah. They don't drink it for the party. They pull it out. They're going to drink it for another party. They pull, pull it, it out. In. Yeah. But if, yeah. if it's you know out once, back in once, don't even don't even think about it. Just drink it. Yeah. 
but just drink a couple it. after after you've got this cycle five or six times, Megan, I'd probably <laughs> time to call Rick because he'll drink anything. I was going to say cook with it. <laughs> All right, that's it for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit. But you're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and you know what's next? Some really horrible wine writing. Yep, uh, for some of this wine writing, we, we need some. We wa- need some perky music. I was gonna say, right? we, I was gonna say, we need some wine and food that's been cooked with wine because <laughs> <clears throat> one of these is uh, would would be a food word actually. Okay, because I've been seeing this word a lot recently. I think uh, it's it's an old word that's used for wine, but a number of people have suddenly decided they want to use this word, and it is chewy. And I am not referring to the, the character Star in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's a hit, by the way. Yeah, he is a hit. But um, what's wonderful is when you talk to people who theoretically know what this word means, yes. they give you different de- definitions of what this word means. Right. So, in fact, nobody knows what this word means. Yes, yes, yes. And, right. And, you know, there's people are going to argue it means you know, rough-edged, you know, big tannins. Right. And some people are going to say it's got giant fruit, and some people say it's just this large, lush wine, right? Viscous. Yeah. 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 And guess what? If you're using a word that has a number of different definitions and nobody's quite sure what it is, I'd go on to a different word. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's funny because that would be true in the the real English language. <laughs> and not just the wine. But not the wine writing Wine-glish? language. Yeah, and wine-glish. <laughs> oh, that's not a bad I think phrase, we're going with that one, Rick. That's good. We so hate wine-glish. Could, could you read me something in wine-glish I now? have something that is massively wine-glish. All right, so if you're out, if you're out there and you're standing, uh, just hold on to something. Because this, this one goes... Brown brick, brown brick red color, elegant aromas and flavors of dried cherry, leather, chocolate, chicory, fragrant plum, as opposed to unfragrant plum, <laughs> chess pie, whatever that is, mint, bitter orange, and geranium with a velvety, vibrant, dry yet fruity, light to medium body, and a smooth, very complex, very long cafe latte, salted caramel, and veal charcuterie, new world finish with well-integrated <laughs> silky tannins, drinking beautifully now. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, no, apparently <laughs> this, not. This is amazing. <laughs> this Brown is, brick red uh, color. Yes. All right, all right, that's the first thing. Yeah, right. So it's, you know, like, this is, right, this is the person that is filling out all the boxes, but well, dear God. But I'm sorry, brown brick red. Brown if it's brick, brick it's brick. You don't have to say brick. What's, it's, is it brown brick? Yeah. Okay, but then why yeah, is it a brown red, brick yeah. red? Yes. Well, I like fragrant plum. I have no plum. no idea what chess pie chess is. Pie, well, it's a pie, but I'm not sure that that, that necessarily is a. Um, I, I think that's a that's a little bit like saying it smells like spaghetti sauce. There's a lot of stuff in a chess yeah, pie. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, and, and geranium, by the way, is a classic descriptor for geraniol, which is a technical flaw in winemaking. Yeah. Well, there you there go. There you go. But I love I love this is this is a noun clause. Yes. Um, a velvety, vibrant, dry yet fruity, light to medium body. That's that's one more that's one description and and then a smooth very complex very long cafe latte salted caramel and veal charcuterie new world finish yes what <laughs> don't even know how, where to go how would that be different from an old world finish? <laughs> well because the veal the veal would be older yes it would be right. it would be they beef. wouldn't have a latte because they didn't have them back then <laughs> so it just have to be coffee that's right yes. <laughs> dear gosh all right all right uh, yeah, anyway nice. there you go that's okay. why we love wine writers although I will say this. The guy liked the wine, or Could. the or the gal. Yeah, they, liked the wine. Yeah. At least you can tell that. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Although I think it would have been just as effective to say <laughs> I really like this. It's nice wine. wine with a good finish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. 
Salted caramel and veal charcuterie. You know, I'm having a hard time wrapping my lips around that one. Cafe latte. Salted caramel. All right. Well, it's back to something more logical. <coughs> well, not really, because people have asked us questions. So we're going to answer a few of those. And don't forget, there's lots of places, including all of our social, which is at Rick and Paul Wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this one is from Susie in Ronert Park. Which is wine country. Wine country. Yes, it is. Yes. I like this phrase. This is a good noun clause. My possibly soon-to-be ex-boyfriend <laughs> keeps <laughs> correcting me when I say corkscrew. He says it's called a wine key. What's that about? You'd have to ask him, not us. He's yeah. an idiot. I'm sorry. Walk in any wine shop and they say, do you have a corkscrew? Yeah. They'll sell you a corkscrew. Half the world go in and say, I want a wine key, and they will look at you and say, F major or C sharp minor. Yes. It's, the, it's the cool kid's phrase is what it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, it's idiotic. Yep. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. idiotic. Susie, I hope he's better in other areas because in this one, yes, maybe abs- Maybe he can use that wine key to get a bottle open and cook something. <laughs> cook something good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just it's just dumbness on his part. Yeah, I'll bet I'll bet though that um, he eventually evolves into someone who finds wines with very long cafe latte salted caramel <laughs> and veal charcuterie <laughs> New World finish. He's, he seems to be headed that direction. He's on that path. Yeah, this is not a good thing, Susie. I'd run. <laughs> <clears throat> Here we are, responsible for another breakup, Paul. All right. This one's from Hector at El Dorado Hills. Cool. He, he says, It dawned on me looking at spirits bottles behind the bar that, bar that they're all different shapes, but wine bottles are all basically the same with just a few differences. Why is that? Because wine... Stubborn. And so traditional. And they are just, you know, every the next time you hear somebody talk about innovation in the wine ass, uh, wine industry, Hector, ask them this question. Because Hector is absolutely right. You look at the back bar of any bar, and there are fabulous bottle shapes up right. there. And then you get the wine bottles, and they come in basically three shapes. And they've come in the same three shapes for a couple hundred years now. You, you know, the one place—well, and, and he's right, because if, if I'm branding— I mean, there's you can think of a dozen bottles of spirits that you absolutely recognize Bingo. right away, right, right away. Off you the know, bat. you know what that bottle yep. is. I know, you know what that is. You know, and you would think, why wouldn't you do that if you're a wine? Right. Right. Um, the one place there is some evolution because it's so new and it and it appeals to a lot of not quote unquote traditional wine drinkers, although there are many. Is, is rosé? You can hmm. find a lot of different shape rosé bottles. Hmm. Finally, a little more something. Yeah. Not you know, but. Yeah. But still. And remember, the very expensive bubblies often have their own proprietary bottle, but it's right. still basically the same shape. Right, right. You know, I mean, if you're making a it, wine that you want to go with fish, put it in a fish bottle. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, if, right. Put it in it, a— It's not going to hurt the wine to be in a, a fish bottle. Put it in a bottle shaped like Rick's head. <laughs> Oh, that's a cool bottle. <laughs> they, that's what they need. All right. Well, and, then, and then you can tell people to put a cork in it. <laughs> I wouldn't, they, they wouldn't be the first. Okay. Well, we're going to put a cork in this round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is the still patient Devin Cortez. Thank you, Devin. Our associate producer is Jerry Marin. Thank you to the very patient Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their lineup. Of recommended podcast recommended podcast and look for us uh, on our, all of our social at Facebook Instagram or Twitter at Rick and Paul Wine and remember come join us seriously come join us at Vancouver National Wine Festival enjoy it Vancouver fun. it runs February 23rd to March 3rd we'll be there for pretty much all of it information is at vanwinefest.ca vanwinefest.ca that's Canada or just Google it yep. and remember if you book a downtown hotel through Stay Vancouver Hotels and that's pretty easy to remember too you get a free ticket to one of the four huge international festivals. Hopefully so big you won't even see Rick. That's hard. 
I have a shiny head. <laughs> All right. If you learned anything today, we hope it's that wine tastings at home are great, and they can be even better with really easy planning. Plus, Dave is risking everything he stands for by inviting us to join. Also, don't vote on wine. Do vote in elections. Yeah, no no voting on the best favorites or anything. Just encourages wine snobdom. Yes, and we are anti-snobdom. It ruins everything. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Thank you.